special guest, co-host of Hell's Bells podcast, Liddy Larie. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing very well. So what happened was earlier this uh, earlier this week, uh, <laughs> me and Roy recorded this episode, and uh, I, you know, he saved it and sent it off. You know, he went to publish it, and he pressed the wrong button, or he set something up, and it just went to. <laughs> I don't understand. How does that happen? What happened? I I, I don't know, it, but he he, he pressed compress, and oh. uh, I don't know what that means, but in in digital speak, it made me sound even worse than I normally oh. do. So, um, and it just was un- unpublishable. So, uh, I took this opportunity to have you do the episode with me. <laughs> Roy, I'm going to try to do you proud, but uh, I am here to say I am no Roy Thomason. Thank you very much. No, and you're much better looking, and, <laughs> and I love you much more. So, <laughs> um, Although you do, send, you do send messages by mistake to me, Roy, and Angela telling me romantic things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong text thread. <laughs> wrong, wrong. And I won't know until I get a little. It's like Roy. Why is Roy? Te- why is Roy texting me hearts? I don't. Right. What is that? A little smoochy Ro- thing. Roy will send you like kissy faces. Oh my god. <laughs> um. So how's uh? Let's talk about the Padres for a minute before we get into the minor league stuff. All right. How's uh? <laughs> go on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. They didn't win last night. No, they didn't, and that's okay. They're, uh, you know, we just said this before we got on the air. I, it, we're a 500 team. Look, we're a 500 team, and I, you know, the, the LA series was horrible, but it kind of shows how far we need to go. Like the Dodgers, I hate to say this, but are just a complete juggernaut of a team, Ugh. and um, <laughs> it really shows. You know, it really shows what we lack. Uh, as a full team, oh, yeah. and uh, but it also shows a lot of how far we've come as a team. Uh-huh. You know, we were in every one of those games. Uh, the games that we did kind of were, you know, losing by a little bit. We did come back. We'd get the tying run on at the bottom of the ninth, yeah, or you it, know, top it, of the ninth. Or but 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 we but, don't. But, we didn't win. But we didn't win. And that's all I care about. And that's true. <laughs> um, it, it's it's sad because if we're losing in like the fourth inning, oh. uh, all of a sudden the TV gets shut off I, and we watch, start watching this. Well, no, I argue to have the, shut the TV off because I can't stand watching it. I yeah. can't like the other night when they were the de- defensive. Oh my God! It was cue the circus music. it was like the Keystone Cops. It was pretty bad, and I found that really painful to watch. It's so funny. Do you ever notice like fr- Franimal's hitting a home run in the first inning all the time? <laughs> yeah, he's hitting so many it should be counted as like two. Like, yeah. okay, they're all solo <laughs> shots. We're gonna give him two this time. My dream is because we'll, we can't seem to beat the Doyers, but once is that uh, Franimal overtakes Bellinger in the home run race. Yeah, and that could be our one. Sh- well, that our uh, one shining moment. <laughs> our one. Is that a song? One shining moment. Yeah, I know. Sing one it. shining <laughs> moment. I thought I saw that on Twitter. No. But, uh, well, let's get on with the show. Mm-hmm. Hey, batting leadoff. Uh, Adrian Morhone last Monday came off the IL, the ten day IL. He was on the IL for like shoulder and back issues, Ugh, which that is fine. Sound good. It, it doesn't sound good, but it doesn't sound bad. It's not elbow. It's not um, you know, it's shoulder and back. So uh, back though, back is like. That's where it's at. The back is where it's at. And if a pitcher's having back issues, 
Yeah, I don't, that's it's really interesting. But he, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about both okay. his starts because he started again last night uh, in the affiliate rundown. But on, on a little sadder note, we uh, we had Carlos Torres uh, audio on yeah. on, a, on a couple of episodes back, and uh, he exercised his opt out and became a free agent hmm. um, in his contract. If he wasn't put on the you know the, if he wasn't put on the forty man or the twenty five man by a certain date, um, he asked for his opt out, and he did. So the 10-year MLB veteran had a minuscule 2.49 ERA and 25 and a third innings with a 2.26 batting average against. Um, you know, it, with the 40-man roster and he's he's 36. Um, you know, there's not a lot of room for those guys, yeah. even as even as well as he's pitching. Well, he's been up a few times, right? Yeah, with, with Chicago, with the Mets. Uh, I think the last pro team he got uh, innings with was with the Nationals. What kind of tenure when he was up? Like, was he up for a long time or just short spurts? I, I don't know. But, I mean, he's yeah. a 10-year MLB vet, so he'd yeah. probably been with the Mets for several years. He was actually with the Mets for several years, a couple years with the White Sox. Yeah. Uh, and just one year, quick year this last year, I believe, with uh, with the Nationals. Yeah. Well, that's that part of, of being a major league player that doesn't get talked about as much. You know, you see yeah. all the, the great superstars, and then you see the ones that come up once, and then you never hear from them again. Yeah. But then these people who are like playing their whole adult lives, or a lot of yeah. their adult lives, and th- and they just they just don't make make it make it, you know. Yeah. And well, he had made it. He had played several years. Right. But just at thirty six to thirty five, right. you know, here's the, kind of at the end of your tenure. Yeah. Yeah, teams out. are going. Yep. You know, unless you're absolutely blowing doors. Yeah. We don't have room, for, and for the Padres, as much as we need bullpen help in the major league level, mm-hmm. um, there's just not a, a, a spot for him. Yeah, uh, it was real sad because he, you know, he tweeted out pictures of, you know, packing up the back of his car. He has a young, beautiful wife, a young little daughter, um, you know. So it was kind of sad. And he's a really good follow on Instagram, a great follow on Twitter. Uh, we wish him the best, Carlos. Um, good luck. Uh, but let's move on. So here's the big issue. Uh, so, Jeff Passan of ESPN wrote this article on the changing or the, the talk about the international, the international draft. And what's gone here is the Buscones or Buscones uh, who train these kids in Latin American countries has kind of got on board with the idea of an international draft. Hmm. So it reads here in a m- recent meeting with between MLB and those involved in the league's trainer partnership program, a segment of the Buscones. Our Buscones um, are the trainers who find and prepare amateurs in the Dominican Republic of Venezuela to sign as 16-year-olds, lamented the rash of early agreements, and said a draft would alleviate the pressure on preteens to vie for million-dollar contracts. Okay, so how does that work? How, does that, how would that alleviate that? Okay, so we're, we're going to go into that here in just a okay, minute. Okay. But at least four players from the 21 to 22 signing period, that's a couple years down the road, right. struck deals with teams as 13-year-olds. Jesus. Now, according to sources familiar with the agreements, and the majority of elite players are committed to teams at 14. That's against the rules. Ugh, it, it's against so. the rules. Um, and the Buscones, they don't, they don't like it because although they're, you know, we're gonna, they're non-binding, um, for some reason they don't like it. So what happens is these kids will, you know, they'll quit school as early as 10 or, tw- or 11, 10 or yeah. 11 to start training. And they get in these little Buscone academies. <laughs> and, you know, the more, the better. You need nine guys to play on their team. So you have several. These Buscones have these little academies and they just play baseball. Is it Buscone or Buscone? 
I don't know. It's Latin America, so I don't know, that sounds. You make it sound Italian. Muscone. <laughs> Muscone. <laughs> okay. Uh, it sounds like it's something you buy at breakfast. Um, <laughs> I'll have one copy and two Muscone. Yeah, but anyway, and that's against the rules. You can't have an agreement. Although non-binding, you can't. You, you know, can't it's kind of like agreement. You can't have an agreement with twelve-year-olds. No. <laughs> That's weird. Even in a Latin American country. You mean child labor is not allowed? Well, it, it's it's a little the, the whole thing is a little shady, and we're going to go into <laughs> it here in a minute. Um, but the increasingly early age at which players agree to sign, which is against MLB's rules that they are rarely enforced, has incentivized the use of performance-enhancing drugs on children in hopes that their uh, mature-looking bodies will impress scouts enough to offer significant signing bonuses. So, like, Framiel Reyes looked like he does now at 12? He probably did, yeah. though. <laughs> but you can dream on that well, frame. Like, he's probably, you know, 5'7", yeah, 5'8", yeah, and 13. You can dream on that frame. That's right. You and know, and know that he's going to... Well, Oral Horsheiser had something to say about that the other day on the... Uh, what did he say? Well, he said uh, something about <laughs> he doubted that Framiel was only 23. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he might have had some uh, visa issues earlier in his career. Did he? Really? Yeah. Um, so while the agreements are non-binding, teams feared that breaking a deal would have harsh repercussions with the Buscones, who control the talent pipeline. That accounts for nearly 30% of major league players and closer to half of minor leaguers. And an international draft would need the support of the MOB Players Association, which during the most recent collective bargaining negotiations eschewed a draft in favor of a hard cap system. So instead of having a you know a multiple layer of drafts, yeah, there's like okay every team gets seven million dollars, right, and right. you have to like make that last, right, right. Uh, multiple, m- m- multiple, multiple, multiple said they fear drafts would would draft would artificially depress the value of players chosen, considering the pre cap spending numbers. The concern, the concerns are warranted, particularly these guys get up forty percent. Of that signing bonus. So Whoa. when we signed, wait, the Buscones. Yeah. Wow, that's ridiculous. It is pretty. So it's like, uh, it's like total. Um, they're being totally exploited. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and that's, and that's pretty sketchy. Yeah, I'm sure la- there's a lot of sketchiness that goes on. Yeah. Um, but really, it it uh. So go on to, to continue here real quick. The concern is that with the hard slaughter draft, the value of the Biscons as trainer-agent hybrid would go away, and the trainer-only paradigm may not warrant such significant commissions. Um, this really started a line on Twitter, and Jorge Castillo from the LA Times, who wrote about how Puerto Rican players are not part of the international draft. Oh, so Puerto well, Rico, Puerto Rico is a part of uh, of America, America yeah. right? But Puerto Rico is, an, is still an incredibly. Uh, Rich breeding ground. Well, poor nation. Yes. They're really poor. But a rich breeding ground for players. Yes. But not really. <laughs> because? Because these kids, you know, they, they're not taught English well enough. Oh, yeah. Yes, I said well instead of good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, they're you. Not t- well, so they're not, you know, it doesn't matter how good they are. If they're not taught English well enough, they don't do well enough in the American standardized testing to warrant a four-year college and then, doesn't matter how good you are as a player, if you don't standardize test well, you're not going to get into a four-year college. Okay, but since when do they have to get into four-year colleges? To get recognition, to get playing time, to get trained, to like... Okay, so you're saying there's no like uh, mechanism for that already in place in Puerto Rico. Like, it, in other words... It is incredibly difficult for them to because get of the educational system. They're, they're, okay, so once again, we'll go slow. Because it's 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 really it's interesting and it's kind of. Are you patronizing me? No, I'm not. 
They I, are along the same lines as high school players and college players right. in America. Right. But if you don't speak English well, you don't go to a four-year college because they're not going to go, oh, he's a really good baseball player. Let's right. make him go to the college anyway. But aren't some uh, some players are drafted out of high school? Right. So are but, they in high school in Puerto Rico? They are in high school in Puerto Rico, but they also have poor training facilities. Uh, uh, not many scouts are hanging out in Puerto Rico uh, scouting uh, the high school fields. Well, because it's, yeah. Um, so what happens is these kids go to have to end up going to junior colleges and to get a look. Aww. And that devalues the go- negotiating with, with the major league teams. because They're like, okay, you're a Juco. You're right. Yeah, you're hitting 370, but you're at a Juco. Yeah, so, right. Um, mm-hmm. So they're at a disadvantage. And, and so. So it's this, it's this place that has a lot of raw talent. Right, a lot of raw talent, but, but really overlooked. Right. Because of the lack of. Because they're they're the mechanism doesn't work to get them into the exactly. So that kind of a lot of people heated up on Twitter and you know not not heated up but just you know he really he um, Jorge Castillo wrote this article it was really interesting, um, but that's what's going on down in hmm. in the international draft. So and I, I'm the first person to admit I don't know anything about drafts and this kind of stuff but um <clears throat> if you uh go to a junior college and they are scouted aren't they yeah but not as heavily and they don't get uh the, the training fields like a juco in in california or hell juco in mississippi is going to have way more tools yeah. way better training facilities yeah. way better coaching um and scouts are much more like to go down to, go to mississippi yeah, yeah. or california then to go, okay, spend a couple days in San Juan or the outer reaches of San sure, Juan. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it put, and they're, but they're yet, they're subject to the same standards that Americans are. Yeah. That's unfair. It is unfair. But life is unfair, right? It is. <laughs> it's constantly proving to us that it's unfair. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Let's get into the affiliate rundown. I'm very, philosophical, <laughs> very philosophical today. Yes, well, deep thoughts in the uh, Friars on the Farm. So the affiliate rundown for El Paso, the single segment, after striking out a whopping 41 times in the month of April, Michael Geddes has taken a step forward at the plate. With a slash line of 263, 317, and 605, and carrying an 8-3 to strikeout-to-walk ratio in 41 May plate appearances, woof, you know, 2018, which is a a very big improvement, 2018 was a rough season for Geddes, who reached base at a paltry 290 clip, and produce an 86 WRC plus, even with the high, even with the balls flying yep. out of the PCL, yep. the progress at the plate is encouraging at the higher level. Mm-hmm. Though the early part of the season, no AAA player under the age of 23 has a better swinging strike rate than Josh Naylor's seven percent. Wow, Naylor's a beast. Yeah, yeah, I love Naylor. I don't know. I mean, I know there's nowhere for him to go on right. the team right now, but I just wish everybody could get a look at him. Yeah. In the major leagues. Well, and there's talk of the, you know, obviously the National League getting the designated DH. DH. And you know how I feel about that. At, well, I feel the same way. <laughs> but if it's coming, we have to be open to it. And there, if there's a team that really <laughs> needs the DH. It's the Padres. It's the Padres. Wow, we would have like four great DHs. Absolutely. Yeah. You have Naylor, you have Franimal. You know, you could throw. Maybe Will Myers, maybe. Well, you could throw Will Myers in the left field and have like Renfro beat her. Yeah, I actually Renfro would be a great. Team. Um, and it's coming like in twenty two, probably twenty two, maybe twenty three. 
But it wouldn't be next I, year, know, and it wouldn't be in 21. I feel like I've heard over the years, next year the DH is going to be in the National League. Just you watch. I remember uh, uh, Tony La Russa saying that one time in an MLB about three years ago. So I don't know. I, I think people are pretty split on it. Yeah. <sighs> yes, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? No DH. <laughs> no DH. Um. So double segment, a right-handed pitcher, Kyle Quantrill, pitched fairly well through his four innings uh, before getting hit hard in the fifth mm. in his first start since returning from the big league club, who ironically just got called up again yeah. to pitch what, Sunday. T- Sunday, pitch Sunday. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, this is being recorded on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and I had said in the last podcast that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Logan Allen got a shot. Oh. Uh, it was a hot take, hot take. But I think since, you know, they want to see what they got in Cal and keep Logan progressing. Well, how has Logan been doing as of late? As of late, very well. Okay. His past three or four starts have been very well. Excellent. Because then, I know he was not doing so well for a while there, and it was very upsetting. Yes, it was very upsetting, and we mentioned it a lot on the podcast yeah. and lamented oh, plenty. Yeah. So <laughs> so good sign he's doing better, and you think they might bring him up? Definitely. After, you know, after Cal gets several starts, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, at the very, very least, it's a September call-up. That'd be great. But I think we might need them depending before on then. How, before then. Yeah. What, what What do you think about the whole thing with their, their kind of, you know, uh, taking people from the minor leagues and bringing them up and then sending them down just so we have some semblance of a pitching, uh, you know, group? I, I love it. It's the having a six-man rotation without having a six-man yeah, exactly. rotation. <laughs> and, you know, and I said this last um, – I think I said this last episode, we've been doing that for a couple of years now in the minors is pitching six man rotation. There's so much pitching talent in this system yeah. that's has a potential to be major league, if not impact, at least major league it kinda sets pitchers. Up, yeah. That it, it it's it kinda sets up a different model though, you know. I mean yeah. I, I I don't know if it's good or bad or either. Um but you know, where these guys that normally might have to wait longer to go up, yeah, you know, and now they go up and they get their taste of the big leagues and they go back down. So it's kind of like coming up to the big leagues for them these days is not as exciting almost because they know they're going to go back down, you know. But it's yeah. very exciting that they get on the mound in the big league field. But you know what I'm saying? Like uh, it's a different uh, sort of model than we've had in the past. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and it could be a little going. Well, I almost wonder. I think it might be better. Because there's so much expectation that goes with coming up to the bigs and right. getting your cup of coffee or whatever. Right. <laughs> all right, that's just a brief stay, but I guess they're all getting cups of coffee. Um, but it just seems to me like that might be better because it might be less pressure. And it seems like that's a big problem, the pressure. Yeah, and it's, it's not like they don't say anything like, okay, hey, we're going to have you come up for a spot start, probably going to get several starts over the next few weeks. Don't be, you know, we're pro- you know, send you down. You know, they know the model. They this is the whole six man rotation for the major league team has been mapped out before the beginning of the season. Of course, and it is obviously going to be you know, they're going to make the adjustments as right. we go along. But like Andy Green says this often, is like this is the plan, and I like it. I, I like that the I, I like that I think that it's they come up and get a shot and not yeah, like here's your taste. Right, and if you don't do well, right, and well, not this if you don't, and if you do well, you're still gonna go down. And no, if no, you no, don't I'm, do well, I'm saying when they come up, one, like you know, right. just for a Sunday start, um, and then if they don't do well, it doesn't matter that much, right? You know, right, the pressure's yeah, off, like the you said, off. because if they stink it up, then they go down, and 
and they, you know, keep working where they were like the week before. Right. You know. Right. So. They can work on what they think they what they can work on what they have to work on yeah. in a less pressured situation. Yeah. But in the in the rubber ball Pacific Coast League, which can just Ugh, uh, yeah. Uh, but moving on through his first six starts with El Paso this year, Kyle Quantrill uh, has allowed the lowest line drive percentage in his professional career. Wow. Moving on to triple. A short, uh, shortstop, shortstop, Luis Urias yeah. was the El Paso uh, offense Friday night, last Friday, as a 21-year-old had three hits, including his eighth homer of the year. Urias's eight homers have come at 98 plate appearances after he needed 533 appearances to reach the same wow. total in 2018. So that's last Friday. Then that, this last Saturday, a week, this last week, he had two homers on Saturday. Yeah, I know. Uh, he continued to strike at a 20.4% clip. Uh, mirroring last year's 20.5 mark. Uh, the young infielder has also increased his fly ball rate to 45% in 2019, up significantly from wow. 29% in El Paso a year ago. Monday, Urias's 11 homers have come in just 108 plate appearances Jesus. with El Paso. Ur- uh, Urias ranks second in the PCL in OPS, in, in OPS 1270, uh, and slugging percentage 833 while striking out at at a respectable clip. Respectable. First of all, let's talk about the pronunciation. Okay. It's Urias. Urias. And <laughs> second of all, I love him and I wish he was up. But I know that the... Oh, there's our cat. Yes. And instead of having dogs, like occasionally you hear the dogs come in <laughs> with uh, over at Roy and Angela's house, we have a cat that meows. Here's Riri. She we, she just got diagnosed with lymphoma. And she's a very big Luis Urias Yeah, fan. she loves Urias. Anyway, uh, so what is what what do you think the deal is there? I know you and Roy have talked about this, but what, do you think he should come up? Do you think he should stay? What What's the deal? Well, he was, you know, if you watched Twitter a little bit yesterday, Scan had his Ask Scan segment yeah, yeah. on Twitter and via uh, email, and he was sent down to work on mechanics, his mechanics of the swing. Yeah. Uh, probably a two better two-strike two approach, lightening up that leg kick. I know everyone hates to hear about the leg kick. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched an at-bat last night, a couple of at-bats last night, and it seems like with the two-strike approach, like you get no strikes, He's going to hit, you know, he gets that leg kit up a little bit higher oh. for the big good swing. But once you have two strikes, you need to shorten up. You need to make it quicker. To, you know, you get that foot down faster so it doesn't go as high and it allows you to get to the ball quicker. So is that, I imagine that would be kind of hard, though, to adjust your leg kick, which is probably part of your timing mechanism right, right. at the plate to, to like within a, with, within a net bat, you know, like you're doing it per, per strike. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so, Players make adjustments. I know in that bat. I know, but you're right. Having like, okay, I'm up to having my timing with this leg up here. Right. Now you're asking me to kind of move it down a little bit. So, do you think they've asked him just to eliminate it? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised in the very end. At the very end, years later from now, maybe even later on this year, that it goes to a toe tap arch to pick up the foot and drop it down. So, what happens to the t-shirts then? I asked that on this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that came on the episode that I didn't, uh, that we just blew up. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, he said, <laughs> Roy's like, don't have, no, Tony Lasoy does not have to make a new <laughs> shirt. Well, I love that shirt. <laughs> I do, and I wear it often. Um, and the leg kick in the shirt isn't as pronounced as it truly is at the, uh, yeah. the uh, yeah. first strike approach, I yeah. guess. So what do you think? He's working on his mechanics, mm-hmm. right? I think from what I saw, just from my very 
humble position. You're okay. As just a watcher, really. Uh, it just seems to me like it's a mental thing. Like ah. he, he can hit great down there and he comes up and he can't hit. And I'm not, I understand that we have, uh, you know, optimum, uh, you know, situation in El Paso in terms of hitting and stuff. But it just seems to me like that when he comes up, he just stops being that person. Yeah. And I, I would say even in terms of his, how he carries himself, how he, because uh, we've watched him plenty in the, yeah. in the, in AAA and he just doesn't seem to have the confidence that he does yeah. normally. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't know if that's just because of his age. I mean, Tatis is younger, and he has all the confidence in the world. And Urias should have all the confidence in the world because he's got the tools. So is something getting into his head? I, well, with, with someone like Tatis, you have – he's been around Major League Baseball his I whole know, life. His he's father, a, it's, no. yeah. it's inbred that, like, you're going to fail. Um, with Urias, I, I, I think you're right. It, it does. I mean, he's done so well. It's done so well. And then you come up and what has got you there doesn't work. Sure. Um, and we've seen on his social media that he's a sensitive guy. You know, everyone loves posting a little picture with a tear coming down why, his why, eye. Why is he crying in that picture? I, I don't know. Because <laughs> he just said goodbye to Fran Meal at the airport. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, he's, he's so you come up and mm-hmm. and then, you know, he got 12 – 12 starts last year and Is it comes it? up which was fine he didn't have great success most players aren't tattoos they're not going to come up and just destroy the baseball um there's going to be that period and you see it in such a great hitter in Thai France where yeah. like he has great approach he's a great at bats yet it's going to take a time for for the hitting of to course. come Tatis is the is the exception. Is the course. exception. So I think you're right. I think it is a little bit of makeup or a little bit of confidence. Um, and then this year it hasn't been steady starts. You need consistent at bats, consistent playing time to work through those. Yeah, and that's why everybody's screaming for him to come up because we want to see him do it up there, up yes. here, and not down there where yeah, he's just going to continue to kick ass down there, right. and, and we want him kicking ass like that up here. So the faster we bring him up here, the more quickly he'll be getting to that point. Yes. Okay. We're going to move on now to Amarillo. Okay. So this last Monday, uh, I'm off on Mondays, and I get up pretty early to go drive for Uber and Lyft, and I check Twitter, and man, poor uh, poor Sam Levitt, the broadcaster for the Amarillo Sun Poodles, had posted, like, it was like two minutes old, he had posted a picture of the sun rising up from the broadcast booth oh. at Hodgetown, uh, and he was setting up to do, later on that night's um, broadcast, right. and they had just got done. Uh, with an 11-hour bus ride, he rides with the team from Corpus Christi, and you know he's like setting up for the broadcast later today. No, I haven't slept. Um, and then later on, he tweeted uh, a little bit of video of what it looks like, and it looks like just basically a podcast with a little thing that can. <laughs> well, you know, he had a little mixing board, he had his yeah. mics, he had his headphones. There's a little um, piece of equipment that connects you to broadcasting. Okay. And then there's another little connection that. That gets you into the tuning app. Okay. And that's it. But it's basically like our setup here. But if we had a little thing that connected us to whatever makes it broadcasty. So what are you saying? We should bring this setup to your adult league baseball games and broadcast those. We could broadcast pirate. <laughs> bro- <laughs> we can go to your and Roy's games. <laughs> There's a dribbler up the middle, and oh, he's slowly running to first base as he's, fast as he can. He's not even running. He's walking. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
But anyways, I thought I saw that and was like, God, he's such a gamer, you know. And he, we met him at spring training, right? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a nice guy. But you know, there's no one there to do it for him. Like he has to do that himself. Well, yeah, I mean that's double A. Yeah, I yeah. think it happens, and yeah. I mean, I think triple A is a little better. Maybe they, they have they, all that equipment there at the triple A stadiums. Yeah. Maybe not. We'll find out. We can ask. Um. So single to start off with. Going earlier to about we were talking about with Adrian Morahone, yes. he came in off the, I, uh, off the IL and had a two inning start uh, this last week. He gave up two runs on three hits, striking out five. Then last night um, came back Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. and pitched another two innings. Uh, gave up no runs uh, through twenty nine pitches. And I think had five strikeouts again. He looked really good. Oh my god, that curveball mm-hmm. and. What, and they're bringing him along slow. Basically, that's it. And that's I think they should because he has a tendency to be not hurt, but maybe a little delicate. Yeah, (laughs) more so than maybe other people. Yeah, I. You know, he he has a little bit of a injury issue bug. Yeah, Yeah. that's not good. But here's the thing with that: God bless it not being an elbow. If it's a back, if it's a shoulder, uh, I know, that it's not as dangerous. I mean, remember back in the 90s when Tommy John wasn't so frequent and everyone was tearing their rotator cuff? Yeah. that I haven't seen that happen in years. Well, I think the measures they're taking now probably alleviate some issues. Yeah. But uh, it seems like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough about Tommy John to talk about it. But all I know is this. I don't like seeing someone who's prone to being on the DIL um, in the minor leagues because I feel like that's when they're at their absolute youngest, most supple. <laughs> right, you right. Know, no, absolutely. Bodies, and then they get up to the major leagues, and I just, I just hope more home comes through because I really like him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and he got back with his girlfriend. Oh, thank God. Maybe that's maybe that'll help. I think that might help. Because we know he loves his girlfriend. Yes. And we know, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. This is a minor league podcast. We are always positive, always. No, no, no. I'm saying I think, I think that is a, he strikes me from what I've seen on social media that he's happier when she's around. Yes. Yes. Which means happier Morahone. Happier more of us. More of us. Yeah. <laughs> But I like that they're bringing him along slowly, not having him go right out of the gate, pitch five innings, pitch a couple innings, uh, an abbreviated, like three or four days off, a couple more innings, and then maybe work, ramp up to a full five or six inning start. Mm-hmm. Um, double, okay, we talked about him last episode, and we talked about him in the episode before. Andres Munoz. Oh, my God. Is, yeah. is just incredibly, incredibly doing well. That was a really bad sentence structure. Um, after walking, <laughs> so, okay, so after walking seven in his first four innings of work this year, Munoz has issued just four in his past nine frames. While even that total isn't ideal, he struck out an absurd forty-five point two percent of the batters he's faced, and just thirty-seven percent of plate appearances against him have ended with a ball on play. Opponents have managed just two hits among the eight times they've made contact in his last nine innings of work. This Wednesday, the stadium gun had him hit 104. I heard. Now, people are going, well, it's a minor league. It's a minor league radar gun. Major League Baseball 
put those radar guns, put all that equipment in the minor leagues. Uh-huh. So it, that's a that is a true 104 miles an hour. Oh, his season totals of 30 Ks in 14 innings with a 1.93 ERA and a 143 BAA. Jeez. That's batting average against uh, are stellar, but he's he's even better at the last nine outings. In that stretch of 10 innings, he's allowed two hits, just four walks, while striking out 23. 10 times 3 is 30. So out of the 30 outs, 23 of them were strikeouts. Sweet. <laughs> I love doing math and it's sounding good. You're like a human calculator. <laughs> it should be noted that his last, uh, he has yet to pitch in two days in a row. Now, this is the big thing with uh, all this information, you guys, um, is coming from Mad Friars. And thank you, John Conniff and the Mad Friars team for allowing us to use uh, most of this information or all the information. That's the big thing. People are going, bring him up, bring him up, bring him up. Oh, I yeah. He has yet to pitch two days in a row. Uh, that's no, that's too early. <laughs> and it's way too soon yeah. to um, uh-huh. even. And, and there's a, and when you do bring him up, you want to be able to use him a couple of days in a row. You want to give him a major league, of course. Be it maybe with kid gloves, major league, uh, relief time. Um, I how old is he? I think he's twenty. Okay. Wow. Maybe just turned it's twenty. Like every time, every time I think I I know all the um pitching talent down yeah. there and like i've heard of munoz but we watched munoz yeah. at the uh at the now don welke classic right but it's like then all of a sudden another one starts getting more and more press and starts to have more and more amazing outings yeah and it's like it's the hot talent lava yeah it's well, amazing. and with him you know he he'd pitched in fort wayne and last year God, did he, uh, you know, a little bit of Lake Elsinore. Yeah. Uh, it's not till double A when they're like, and everyone was talking about him for the past two or three years yeah. when he was 17 years old. Um, now we're starting to see it at the higher levels where right. he's seeing advanced hitters. Right. Um, where it's going to like, okay, here's what we need you to do. Right. And that's walk less guys and strike more guys out. Right. So last night he got the five out save, striking out two. Um, interesting note last night I got while uh, doing administrative work at work. <laughs> um, and I listened to the game. Uh, Amarillo leads the league, the Texas league, in striking out, uh, strikeouts. So our Wait, their pitching staff, throwing strikeouts, throwing strikeouts, right, right, right. have the most strikeouts. And I heard at the very end of the game, so they have 401 strikeouts. Yeah. That their uh, that the pitching staff there in Amarillo has. Yeah. Incredible. But we're moving on. We got to move on. We got a lot of road to cover <laughs> and a short time to get there. Hurry up. Uh, the, tri- <laughs> the triple for uh, Amarillo. Owen, Owen Miller. Miller. Yes. Yes. Love him. Became the first player in franchise history to record a four-hit game when he singled off, um, when he singled in the sixth inning, taking his hitting streak to seven games. This is last week. And he singled off McNutt. McNutt. Uh, <laughs> I think it's Jason McNutt. That's an unfortunate name. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. He has heated up recently in batting 326 over his last 10 games. Miller is currently eighth in the Texas League with a K rate of 16.3. Wow. I say this over and over again. It's new to you, but old to the podcast listeners. This is a professional hitter. I know. In I've development. Seen yeah. I've seen him. Yeah. Where, what was the last time we saw him? Spring training. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was raking great. for the major league team. Yeah. He and Robbie Podorsky were the two ones that I just loved watching in terms of batting and uh just their presence on the field They're yeah very impressive yeah a little speed demon robbie podorsky uh so for the home run uh we have a home run segment for amarillo and uh, slow-mo sprung 
wrote an article for MILB. That's another I, great name. <laughs> you can Slow-mo sprung what? An article on Buddy <laughs> Reed in his first game after switching from number one to number seven. San Diego's seven, a 14th ranked prospect went four for four. This is the same game with Owen Miller. They both went four for four, but wow. Miller got the four for four first because he hits oh. higher in the lineup. Yes. Um, with a home run, double, and two RBIs in double A uh, in double A Amarillo's nine uh, eight loss to Midland on Monday. So the article goes on. Buddy goes here. Um, yeah. People know how baseball players are in terms of superstitions and everything. I definitely needed the change. It was a really cool experience. Teammates saw Reed make the switch before the game and embraced it as a night, as as the, as the night at the plate. Progressed. As thank you. As his night at the plate progressed. Thank you. She says so eloquently, and me like a <laughs> Philly Billy Warndell. <laughs> uh, a lot of them noticed that I'd shaved my face, got the new number. We wore pink batting gloves today. That was uh, Mother's Day last Sunday. It was a lot of different things. When I got moved up last year, I actually wore number one in San Antonio just because I liked the jerseys being tighter. Oh. And obviously, I didn't do well. So Whoa. the smaller the number, the smaller the jersey. Like I guess it's like. Is that what? I right. That's what I, that's what I said. Is it like football? Like okay, if you wear sixty four, they're going to be like triple extra large because you're going to be a lineman. So I wonder why he likes the jersey tighter. Is that to, to show his stuff off, or because it's less um, restrictive? Yeah, well, well, restrictive it could be would more be more restrictive. Well, <laughs> well, with with it being loose, it could be you know, I, that could be annoying. Arm yeah. elbow, it could be yeah. annoying. So I, I want you to ask Buddy Reed, friend of the podcast, why he likes his uniform so tight. Well, next chance I get. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bug him with a text. Hey, can you expand why? on that? Why? You mean expound? <laughs> expound, expand, and I say, oh God, this is the problem with having a, a highly educated woman to my right and a lowly educated man in me. Oh my God! Can we just get through the podcast and stop yes. boring these people with our mundane intricacies? <laughs> In intricacies? <laughs> intricacies. Go I was going to say idiosyncrasies Go of on. our relationship. Move on to Lake Elsinore. But let's move on to Lake Elsinore. So, in the single segment, Thursday, Aaron Lesher uh, tossed a superb five innings of ball, scattering three hits and striking out five. His last two starts have been both scoreless appearances as he struck out 11 and walked just one. A quiet, one of those Nick Margaviches kind of guys. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of fanfare. Not a high, high, high draft pick. Guy that's just getting it done. Love it. Quietly, yeah. under the you know under the under bright the lights of yeah. Luis Patino, Osvaldo Hernandez, Mackenzie Gore. The bright lights of Broadway. The bright lights mm -hmm. of Broadway. Well, we I love it because I feel like we have these kind of really bright stars, yeah. and then in between them we have all these quiet guys, right? That are progressing at a normal rate, that are developing at a normal rate, and not like yeah. Like a Mackenzie Gore, right? Like like right. Luis Patino has been his past few starts. Oh it's just been yeah, been really well. Yep. Um, moving on to double outfielder Tirso Ornelas busted out of a one for nineteen slump with three hits. This is last Friday night. Uh, remember, guys, I had this was most of this was written for it to be recorded on Tuesday. It is now Saturday of that same <laughs> week. The nineteen-year-old slugger hasn't uh, shown his trademark power, but his ball to bat, bat to ball performance is a step in the right direction. Tirso. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Lover of Disneyland. Best jaw in the minor leagues. Strongest jawline. Very love, good looking Love that guy. man's jawline. Yep. He's a great kid mm -hmm. uh, and really good friends with Jason Rosario. Ah. 
Uh, so triple moving on quickly through Lake Elsinore. Last Friday night, Estuary Ruiz homered for the Storm on Friday night. After a brutal April, Ruiz is hitting 333, yes. 382, 633 in May with all three of his homers. The 20-year-old infielder has struck out just four times in 34 plate appearances this month. Ruiz has been moved to the bottom of the order, and results have been encouraging. Good. This is a little bit earlier in the week, so there's been more at-bats. Uh, I'm not sure how much... I didn't really update this from last week. Yeah. But um, he's doing really well. Yeah. Uh, and, God, just to expound on Mackenzie Gore, he pitched last night. Yeah. Uh, five innings, no runs, I think two hits. Oh, my God. I think he had five strikeouts, five, six strikeouts. Just Mackenzie-esque. We're very nervous because Mackenzie's going to be leaving Lake Elsinore soon, and we want to be able to see him as much as we can. Well, not only that is I ordered his shirts two weeks <laughs> to dominate the day uh, for the uh, for the fundraiser That's for the right. Lake Elsinore Booster Club. I That was two weeks ago. And just this Monday, he goes, okay, you have been shipped. It, so I checked yesterday. Yeah. Uh, they're like, oh, it's still in. Oh, Grand yeah, Prairie, yeah. Texas. So by the time you get them, he's going to be gone. It's going to be Wednesday before they come here, and uh, I can go up on Tuesday. Okay. So they're here this next Monday, Tuesday. Our Monday's a day off of Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, then they're out of town for whatever. They come back the week after that. So like the 28th, I think, they'll be okay. on Tuesday. So I should be up there. I might go up this Tuesday to just say, hey, um, I'm going to go back up again the week after Tuesday after work and uh, and then be able to give him – the shirt. Right. Um, that's a great shirt. And it doesn't matter if he leaves El- like Elsinore. It's like that shirt can be for anybody. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and him at any time in his career. So get yeah. your shirts. Absolutely. And if, and if he doesn't show, you know, if he does leave, we're not sure. We're just, you know, we're anticipating he's doing so well. He's like a rocket. He's like a rocket. Then I can just send him to Amarillo. Yep. Get a hold of the guys over in Amarillo. Yep. But moving on, let's get you guys out of here with Fort Wayne. <laughs> so, single in the Fort Wayne segment, um, there is a team in the minor leagues. And God, I even had more time to prep for this, but I didn't. Um, there is a team somewhere in the Sally League, I believe, that is doesn't sell peanuts at the baseball game. Because of the allergies? Because of the allergies. So, Oy. it is, um, what does oi mean? <laughs> I'm just so sick of people's allergies. <laughs> you don't even work in food service and you're sick of people's allergies. I, work I understand in... the peanut allergy okay. is very, you can go into anaphylactic shock. Thank you. But. No but. But we can't, if we continue to like remove things from in the environment, then won't the allergies even be worse? I don't know. I'm not a allergist. You're not an allergologist? Allergologist. Okay, well, go on. Okay. So there's a team that has no peanuts. In the whole g- that sounded not good. <laughs> it's fine. It, it's you know, uh, it, it's it's perfectly fine because people will go into anaphylactic shock even with minuscule parts particles in the air. So to it's show true. to show their inclusiveness, Liddy, inclusiveness is what we have here at Friars in the Farm. I don't know how you guys do it over there at Hell's Bells. <laughs> we're very salty. In, we're not inclusive. <laughs> You're very salty. You're much like peanuts. You're very salty. Um, so. Two games, uh, Friday, June 14th, and as well as on Wednesday, July 17th, they are not going to have any peanuts. So Mike Nutter says here, we understand that some of our fans have peanut allergies that prevent them from being able to enjoy the fun of a Tin Caps game on a regular basis, says Tin Caps president Mike Nutter. This is an effort on our part to be inclusive and serve as many fans as we can. Okay, but here's my question. 
I've been to a million baseball games. Yeah. Everybody's always opening peanuts and throwing them on the ground. Like, I've never heard of anybody going to anaphylactic shock at a baseball game. Well, they're not going to really publish that. They're not really not going to go like, oh, fan one died of anaphylactic shock. Those guys probably, those people probably don't go to baseball games. They don't serve them on planes anymore because of that. Huh. And well, a lot that's of a, that's an enclosed. Okay, anyway, go move on, move yeah, on, move well, on. We're moving on, Miss Inclusion. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the mayor of Fort Wayne, Tom Henry, tweeted congratulations to Tin Caps President Minor League at Minor League Nut. That's Mike Nutter on his upcoming induction into the Northeast Indiana Baseball Association Hall of Fame. Mike is a true professional and made a tremendous impact in the Fort Wayne in in the for, in Fort Wayne. Pardon me. Um, Mike has been, Mike replied, thanks for the kind words. As you know, it's a team effort over here. I don't want it about me. It's been an amazing 10 years at Parkview Field. We are honored to work with one of the best ballparks in the country. In one of the best ballparks in the country. With our partnership of Fort Wayne. Hello, it's getting late in the broadcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Natter is a three-time Midwest League Executive of the Year, having earned the award in 2004, 2019, and 2015. He is another great Twitter follow yeah. as well. Uh, in 2016, the Tin Caps won Minor League Baseball's most prestigious honor, the John H. Johnson President's Award for Overall Organizational Excellence Only. One of 160 teams at MILB claims the wow. annual award. Okay, I'm just really anxious for you to get on to the next one because my favorite name of all time is coming up. Okay, well, hold on. We need to give Mike Nutter his due. Uh, he's a great follow. I can't wait to have him on the podcast. Um, I haven't reached out yet, but um, I, I really do need to reach out and at least get it. Like, I'd love to come on the podcast. He always responds whenever we tweet him. Aww. He loves Friars on the Farm. We love the Tin Caps, as we, we love, love all you, the Mike affiliates. Nutter. Yes. <laughs> would you like to read yes, the double? Yes, I would. Okay, there we go. Uh, In her Friars <laughs> on the Farm reading segment debut. On Wednesday. Both Xavier Edwards and Tucapita Marcano added another multi-hit game to their tallies. That makes it a 10-game hitting streak for Edwards, while Marcano has hit safely in 13 of his last 14. I mean, I want to I want to be able to scream at Petco. Tucapita, which I have once because he was yeah, he, he was. played in the uh, He played in the Don Welsh yeah. Classic. And when his name came up, and I believe his family was sitting near us, too. But anyway, Tucapita, just make it to the bigs because I want to scream your name. Go on. And he's having a terrific season. He is absolutely on fire. Yep. Um, I didn't put some of these notes. Maybe they'll go on the next podcast, but he is just crushing the ball. And he's named after the town he's from. I think yeah. that's so cool. Okay, go on. Yeah. I, 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 lo- I love it. I love the the different name. It's not a Jose. It's not a Juan. It's, uh, it's Tucapita. 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 And is it, is it uh, Xavier or Xavier. Xavier? Xavier. You said Xavier. I did. Xavier. That's kind of sexy. I'm going to I'm gonna roll back the tape after we're done. <laughs> okay. Go on. Go on to We're almost him. out of here. We really, I really appreciate you guys holding on for this long. I don't no. think anybody <laughs> has. <laughs> Hello? Are you still listening? I, I love it. We've, you've, honey, you've been great. <laughs> she says with this poof ball hair. Um, triple. Okay, so Sam Keening, the Padres, fourth round pick in 2017 at a Canterbury High School in Fort Myers, 
was solid in his Midwest uh, League debut last Saturday. He sailed through the first three innings but gave up a pair of doubles in the fourth inning before giving way. The righty has shown flashes since the Padres gave him a $900,000 signing bonus to opt him out of going to uh, Clemson, but has, has rarely showed the mid-90s fastball reported earlier in his senior year of high school. Last night, he pitched another just stellar gem, eight Ks, two hits, two earned runs, one base on balls, and five and a third innings. I, once again, while doing administrative work, uh, <laughs> kept an eye on that, kept an eye on that, uh, eye on that game, and he was pitching really well. I bet, yeah. And then Blake's hunt dad was at the game as well. Oh, really? And he was texting pictures of the field. I guess it was his first time into the field, and oh. it was just like, this place is beautiful. Yeah. Like, we need, me and you, we need to do that. Yeah, I know. We need to make it to Parkview Field. I know. Uh, Roy and Angela, my co-host and her co-host, will be going later on this season to, uh, for a long weekend, I think. I know. They're going to go to a Cubs game, and then they're going to come down and spend a couple of days at Fort Wayne. That's great. I've got to talk him into making time to do some interviews tell them what we're doing well uh, let him let's get out of here first let's get out of here first <laughs> and then we'll talk about what we're doing so for the home run uh and final segment of the episode since allowing four runs back in in back-to-back games joey cantillo has been downright dominant for the tin caps striking out 19 wow. walking just three allowing six six hits and one run over the past three starts. Wow. His 12.21K to nine is nearly one strikeout per nine higher than Ryan Weathers' mark for Fort Wayne. How's Weathers doing? He's he's doing okay. He's been on the IL. The, what? Uh, I think he had some shoulder stuff. Oh, jeez. Um, I think it was shoulder stuff, but he um, they shut him down. He's doing really well. So the, do you think they just shut him down prematurely because they just want to be extra careful? They're always very extra careful. Yeah. And I said this on the episode, last episode was – um, and he was brought here to San Diego to have it checked out. Nothing has came out, and they've not released anything. Uh, they keep a lot of that information close sure. to their chest. Sure. Um, close to the vest. I think it's still just <laughs> a young kid pitching yeah. a lot yeah. for the first Did time. Did he play football, too? I think he just, maybe earlier in his high school I, career, I, but really just focused on baseball. Okay. Sophomore so, and it's senior. a shoulder situation? I think so. I okay. Think. All right. So. To, to wrap things up, let's get to what we're going to be doing in August. So in August, we have uh, I, I turned uh, the big 50 this year. He turns 5-0 in November. I, I turned 5-0, which no, is 25 th- in dog years. This coming November, he's turning 5-0. Uh, so I, uh, I have family that lives outside of Nashville. And we are uh, – our big plan, the long-term plan, is for us to move uh, when I retire from work, move to a small minor league city and be a host family. So we have several regions in America where – a, we can live a lot less debt-free um, and um, still have plenty of uh, time to have a life that we want. And uh, one of those short lists is in Tennessee. So we will be flying into perhaps into Charlotte or Nashville, but we're going to spend three days, one day in uh, Elizabethton, uh, home of the Elizabethton Twins, which is the short season right. uh, team of the Minnesota Twins. And this is going to be the Appalachian League. So we're going to start in Elizabethton, Work our way down to Greenville, to the Greenville Reds, another mm-hmm. short season team, mm-hmm. uh, and then drive up to Johnson City, where the Johnson City Cardinals will be playing the Kingsport Mets. Yeah. <laughs> Childhood <laughs> team of my wife and co-host of this episode, Lydia Lurie. Um, So w- what we want to do is go there, check out the games, check out the city, kind of see if that's some place that we want to live. But it's primarily where we're going to be moving 
it is more than likely barring us winning the lottery somewhere outside of California. Cue deliverance music. Bang, 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 We might do it, move there, and like be so bored we can't even believe it and move back. Right. Who knows? We're, we're free wheeling, honey. We're free wheeling. We're free wheeling, yeah. but that's the plan we wanted. That's the plan. Yep. Um, before we let you guys go, I really, ho- I really appreciate everyone that has bought the Dominate the Day shirts from T-Chip. You guys can go to uh, Friars on the Farm on Twitter. The link is there, or you can go to T-Chip and uh, search for Gore Dominate, uh, and that should, uh, that should pop up. Um, we've, we've made 200, almost $234 and like 24 cents. Um, the shirts should be arriving. If you wore them about two and a half weeks ago, they should be arriving soon. Um, mine should be arriving next week. Like I said earlier, uh, and I'm hoping after that people will see the shirts and there will be a uptick in sales. If not, uh, very soon, I at least want to make 250. If I have to put in that extra 20 or 30 bucks to, I'll do it. (laughs) Thank you. Um, to be able to give to the Lake Coast North Booster Club. Yeah. I'm also waiting on email from the agent of Luis Patino uh, to do something similar uh, with his likeness and uh, kind of a similar kind of shirt fundraiser uh, idea. But that's about it, guys. And I really appreciate uh, you sticking with us. Thank you for uh, filling in for Roy. I, I, I am very, very honored to have appeared on your wonderful podcast. Thank you so much. She really wants to get the hell out of here. <laughs> um, you can reach me on Twitter at SDDonovan. That's S-D-D-O-N-A-V-A-N. And you can reach me at Liddy Larie. Until then, go Padres.